Welcome back to the Mountains and the Sea, where we find the highs and lows of each and every Prince album. I'm Christy. This is Josh. And we're so glad that you're back with us today. Today, we have the live audio disc from 1999 Super Deluxe. Not only do we have it, but we also listen to it. (laughs) We did. (laughs) This was the late show at the Masonic Temple in Detroit, Michigan. It's listed as... November 30th of 1982, but it was a midnight show. So I guess technically it's December 1st. Yeah, not even technically. If it started at midnight or after, it was December 1st. Well, yeah, but they didn't want people to show up December 1st at midnight when their show was the night before because people can be kind of dumb. Right. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. So this was the second of six shows played at this venue and Mm -hmm. they were all sold out. Yeah. The theater housed about 4,800 people, so 4,800 times six is a good 30,000 people that were there over the course of three or four days to see this show. That's pretty amazing. It is. And each show was open by Vanity Six and The Time, which we don't have here, which is kind of a... If we can do an early C, it's too bad that none of the other surrounding material of 1999 was documented in the set because it was part of the entire era and tour. Right. Well, and you know, that was probably another hour of the show. That's why Easily. Yeah. That's why Prince's portion of the show could be shorter than what we're typically accustomed to hearing when it comes to Yeah. Prince concerts. Yeah, now, he think, didn't run his concerts quite as long at this time. Yeah, he didn't have quite as much material. Um, yeah. But yeah, you look at this and think, oh, an hour and 14 minutes for a Prince show is kind of short. But you have to consider that the time played before him and Vanity Six played before him and all of it was his music. Right. Exactly. This was part of the 1999 tour that ran from November 11th, 1982 in Chattanooga, Tennessee is where it opened. And it went all over the U.S. and ended in Chicago on April 10th, 1983. Yeah, pretty long tour. A pretty long tour. He did take a break in uh, yeah. January and part of February. Uh, it t- took a break to record a whole bunch of unreleased material. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but a break from the tour. Yes. yes. I counted also on Prince Fault, this was the 16th show on the 1999 tour. Which is pretty amazing because the album had already been out. Uh, like a on, month. Like a month. Yeah. And this was like show three, 60. Yeah, three and a half weeks in. Yeah. And yeah. people knew the songs. You could tell listening yeah. to this, people knew the songs already, which is very, very cool. Yeah. I thought it was interesting that 1999 Super Deluxe Edition was released on November 29th, 2019. The show was recorded basically midnight December 1st, 1982. So it's almost exactly 37 years to the date that the set was released from when the show was recorded. Um, I also was curious about, I saw the name Masonic Hall. I'm like, what the heck is that? Let me look that up. So it's a Freemason temple that also has theaters and entertainment spaces. You could rent it out for weddings and special events and obviously concerts like this. I read a little bit about the history of the building, too, that it opened in 1926, houses three theaters, um, one of which was never completed, and to this day is still kind of a shell that's used by production crews for different shoots. And in April of 2013, it was reported that the building was to be in foreclosure because of $152,000 in unpaid taxes. Holy moly. Did you hear about this? No. 
um, taxes owed to Wayne County, Detroit, and the debt was paid off the next month. And in June 2013, it was revealed that $142,000 of the tax bill was paid by Jack White. Really? And that is why one of the theaters now is named Jack White Theater. Because I saw that and I thought, how did it get named after yeah. Jack White of the White Stripes? He paid the debt and he later said that he wanted to help the temple in its time of need because they had given his mother a job as an usher in the theater when she was struggling to find work. Aww, and that was great. his repayment. I thought, wow, that's really very, very cool. That is really cool. There is a 360-degree image of this theater where this concert was played on the Masonic Theater's website. If you go to themasonic.com, it's the first item under the facilities menu, and you can see a virtual tour, essentially, yeah, of where the show was played. It's super cool, and mm-hmm. I'll put a link to that on our social media. Let's get this done right up here at go the ahead. top. You can find us on Facebook. The Mountains and the Sea, a Prince podcast. You can find us on Twitter at TMATS, T-M-A-T-S podcast, or you can send us an email, tmatspodcast at gmail.com, and I'll shoot you a link to that. Very nice. Other little tidbits about that theater. It's still the world's largest Masonic temple. Yes. Um, And it's still active with Masonic organizations. Several are housed there. Yes. And groundbreaking for the building, did you read this, that took place in like December of 1922, the ceremonial grand break, groundbreaking was um, used a trowel that was previously used by George Washington during the construction of the U.S. Capitol. Super cool. Well, lots of really cool history. You think, oh, a Freemason theater. Yeah, it seems a little weird. I wonder if Prince knew that and probably then didn't have an issue with it. Might have thought twice about it later in his life, but... Maybe, but I mean, tons of people perform there, you know, like around this time, Miles Davis, Rick James, The Stray Cats, Shaka Khan, Stevie Wonder, way back in the 40s, it had a history with Duke Ellington and Dizzy mm-hmm. Gillespie. Yeah, so the the historic performances there might have swayed him to perform there. It just would have been interesting to know, hey, Prince, did you know this is a building of Freemasons? Yeah, which is, is that- not really a not religion. Not. It's like an organization. Any people from many different religions are, can yeah. be Freemasons. Sure. It's kind of interesting. They do, well, at least they used to discriminate against women. They didn't have um, eligibility Maybe. for right. Masons to be women. I think that's changing. Hmm. Yeah. Well, they didn't have a problem with letting a somewhat controversial live performer come by and rip it up on stage for no. And you know, Vanity Six was in their lingerie. (laughs) That's right. Yes. So you know, money talks. I guess probably. Yeah. Whether they were judgmental or not is unknown, but it, it happened. Yes. Many nights in a row. Yes. I thought this whole concert was really well mixed. That was there was a lot of interesting things. The stereo was mm-hmm. used really well. Yeah, considering that it was you know almost a forty year old recording. Right. There are a couple spots and a couple songs where you can hear a little pop, and I think the right channel that okay. was the only like limitation or glitch that I could find. But it does sound fabulous. I would say it's one of the. I mean, there aren't there's not a lot of competition, but it's one of the better recorded live Prince. Official releases that there is, period. Yeah. Better than 
One Night Alone live, mm. I think, okay. as far as like mixing in audience ambience so it doesn't sound mm-hmm. like he's playing to nobody. Right. Um, and also for the, you know, the choices of songs, obviously they're tightly woven around a very popular time in Prince's career. Yes, for sure. Not a lot of deep cuts, I guess you could say. No. Do you think that this is the order of the show? Yes, I do. Okay. After looking at it and seeing the 1999 Tour Princess portion was generally pretty set with the exception of Lady Cab Driver and Automatic that would be mixed in and out of the show. And then a little different interlude that would be mixed in and then possibly a different... Um, encore, depending on where they played DMSR. I've okay. seen DMSR as an encore. I've seen it mixed into the middle of the show. I've seen Delirious as part of the set list, too. Uh, but this was generally it. I think it was. I don't think that it's a very edited down, or I don't think there's anything missing here unless they shorten gaps between you know the end of the last song and the encore just to make it all fit on a disc. But I don't think that there's songs here that were edited out. Okay. My opinion. Okay. Also consulting Prince Vault where they have the set lists. Yes, but I think that that particular set list was added after the disc was released. Maybe. There are other set lists from these shows that are there. Some some are listed as unknown, but there are others that are listed there. Yeah. Well, and even just in the past several weeks I've seen set lists change Mm -hmm. where they were listed differently for this particular show. And then they've been revised to match this disc. Yeah. Well, I don't know which way it is because if they think that this is the definitive thing or they just want to avoid controversy. Right. (laughs) Now, Uh, My opinion is I think this is it. It's an hour and 14 minutes long. And if you look at many of the other set lists from other shows, and we're going to look at a live video recording of a show that took place a couple weeks later, well, almost a month later, I guess, in Houston. Right. Uh, So we can compare there also. Yeah. I also pulled up there are other 1999 live shows and circulations, and this is fairly similar. Okay. Okay. So if there's anything missing, it was edited for... minor space issues, but not to remove a full song or something like that. I don't think. Okay. In addition to Prince on this tour and Vanity Six in the Time, Brown Mark, Bobby Z, Des Dickerson, Dr. Fink, Lisa Coleman, and Jill Jones. All part of the band. All part of the band. Yep. So speaking of controversy, shall we talk about it? Let's do. Okay. We'll get a little tease at first with the start of... 1999, the voice intro. Yeah, which, which is kind sort of, of interesting. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of a fake out. Yeah. Don't worry. I won't hurt you. Yeah, like they thought they were getting 1999 and then controversy starts. Yeah, I think it was just kind of fun, yeah. especially when you consider that the voice intro for 1999 shows up again later in the show. I, you know, he opened the controversy tour with controversy, so this was just maybe to set it off. I think he still thought highly of the controversy material, or he certainly wouldn't be leading off another oh, yeah. tour with the song. So, yeah, we get the don't worry voice mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. a thunderstorm. Yeah, which I sound effect, knew which, you were going to point out. I'm like, oh, he used that thunderstorm for a long time. Forever, as far as I can tell. Yeah. Forever. He enjoyed it. 
He did. It was a live signature kind of thing. Like uh, so, the beat starts. I think that's when people realize, oh, this isn't this isn't 1999. So we get the, <laughs> yeah. the uh, bass but, drum. Yeah, but they know it. They know it, and oh, they're yeah. not unhappy. No, nobody seems very unhappy at all. Like in a minute and 17 second, we get Prince. I think it's Prince's rhythm guitar, since Des Dickerson was playing lead guitar for mm-hmm. a lot of these things, and it's one of many great rhythm guitar parts played during the show and I'll be a total nerd and point them out as we go along. Okay. Yeah. It was fun to hear the audience realize what song it was because it happened mm-hmm. in waves. Yep. You could tell like hardcore had listened to controversy until, you know, they wore the record down, had to buy a new one, <laughs> realized it really early and then he'd get a little further into the song and you'd hear the next wave of people yeah being excited about oh yay i know this one of course and you can tell prince prince had a really good relationship with the city of detroit played there a lot it was one of his favorite cities to stop in i think along with houston mm-hmm. um in a minute and 50 seconds you can already tell detroit is a favorite as he opens with a nickname motor city mm-hmm. ow yeah a lot of cities now granted detroit is known as the motor city but there's not a lot of places where you can open a concert with a nickname for the city and get away with it like you don't open in buffalo new york yeah (laughs) very big animals (laughs) (laughs) there's a lot of fun audience encouragement and engagement you sing it good i enjoyed that quite a lot yeah yeah like at um three minutes and 56 seconds he says everybody clap your hands now and then there's a breakdown and another great rhythm guitar part where he's encouraging everyone to uh clap stand up for a good 30 seconds there i did think it got a little sloppy during the people call me rude part Mm, um, yeah. It turned it, in the studio version of the song. It's around that whole chant. And the band chanting it gets a little messy. It's not quite around, and some are behind others, and it seems a little yeah, like they just sloppy. Almost like they seemed a little confused. Maybe so. Especially something he was trying. (laughs) Maybe, but I mean, it's a key part of the song, and he'd done it in a previous tour before with the same band, essentially. Like at five minutes and one second, someone in the band keeps the chant going by themselves, and it sounds like a mistake, and they're a little bit behind the beat. Mm. And not like join repetition enough to turn you on. It was just, I don't know, seemed just a little wrong. This was 
was, you know, like 12.20 in the morning. Yep, it could be they didn't have enough coffee. <laughs> yeah. Actually, it would have been later than that because the show started at midnight and the time in Vanity 6 would have gone on beforehand. So it had to be right. at least one. True. I'm probably after, after yeah. that. Yeah. So like at five minutes and 21 seconds, the song kind of builds to this crescendo and breaks down just to a beat. And you hear Prince call out, is everybody ready to work? It moves very seamlessly. This is one track to the next, no break in between, no editing here. Right. I will say the concert moves smoothly from controversy to let's work, but the tracking on the CD itself, again, I would say is kind of sloppy. If you look at where, just go to track two and start let's work, and you'll see it like starts in this weird place. Oh, it really could have started back when it broke down to the beat and as Prince calls out, is everybody ready to work? It's still actually in the controversy track. Mm-hmm. And then there's this unconsidered spot where the tracks change. Okay. And it's the only place on the disc where that happens. There are other places in the concert where songs blend together and it's a little bit more nicely placed. Okay. So I hadn't noticed There's that. my sloppy note. Number two is just the tracking between controversy and let's work could have been a little more considered for us of finer audio tastes okay as i drink my coffee with my (laughs) pinky extended the audience is very engaged everybody's really they're ready they are he asked them if they're ready and they showed them that they are Mm -hmm. there's a lot of fun spots where that happens they you know are you ready for the boogie raise your hands Help us sing. This is up there. He's talking yes, to, you the know, balcony. a balcony. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Up there. Let's work. I thought that he called him another Detroit nickname, Motor Boogie, is what oh. I heard him say oh, at the beginning okay. of the song where he kind of calls out the city again, Motor Boogie. Mm-hmm. Uh, Motor Boogie. Again, and just point out at two minutes and 48 seconds another little rhythm guitar part that I believe is Prince since Des is handling lead guitar. Worth a listen. Yeah, I pointed that out too that that one's really well mixed too, that the guitar is mm-hmm. in the left and there's like mm-hmm. cymbals in the right. Yep. And yeah, I thought that was really good. And I really loved the way he he had some Jamie Starr mm-hmm. voice in there. He says, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think you climbed the wall. Ah, yeah. And then there's some really nice, flawless movement between uh, falsetto and more something more akin to his speaking voice. Yeah. Yeah, he does move between those two voices throughout the entire show pretty well. Yeah, yeah. Here was particularly like impressive and noticeable because it was like within the same lyric or two that he's doing that. It was really good. Yeah. 
thought this was pretty faithful to the album version through about three and a half minutes when it launches into the extended version or the remix version, however they labeled the 12-inch version of Let's Work. Um, you get a Dr. Fink guitar solo at four minutes and six seconds, which is uh, new. in 22 seconds when Prince suddenly says everybody stop and the band stops and then it really launches into those new lyrics from the extended version of the song mm-hmm. I'll work you baby till you're soft and wet close your ears children my dick and bubble gum is all you get uh-huh. <laughs> which gets a Good crowd reaction. Yeah, because it was funny. And we don't get Prince's first cursing in this show until almost 10 minutes in, when at 5 minutes and 9 seconds he says, I'm not f***ing around, which I thought was pretty impressive. Uh huh. Maybe he's holding himself back since he was in a temple. Oh, yeah, sure. Maybe. I'm sure that's why. We do get a kiss, too, which is fun. Yeah. At like two minutes and 55 seconds. Mm-hmm. All right, and that one also goes seamlessly into Little Red Corvette. And much better tracking on the disc oh, into okay. Little Red Corvette, too, I might add. Okay. So this one's for all the fast girls in the house, he says. This one's for all the fast girls in the house. This is fun because Little Red Corvette had not been released as a single yet. It was still a few weeks before the world would know Little Red Corvette. But when this song starts and it has that distinct drum beat uh-huh. and Yeah, and the audience goes bananas. Yes, everybody knows what song it is before you start singing. It's relatively new. So this is, um, again, pretty faithful to the studio version but i think part of that is because it's basically a new song too prince hasn't grown tired of playing it live so it's pretty true to the studio version mm-hmm. i really like the way he says eyes i guess i uh-huh. should have closed my eyes when you drove uh-huh. me to the place uh-huh. i should have closed my eyes when you drove me to the place we'll this little small thing but like really Mm -hmm. fun reason to have a live performance there's just these little things you know he could only record it and put it on an album once one way yeah and i mean until he started doing maxi singles and Mm -hmm. then you know you can do it like eight different ways and pick six of them put them on the ep (laughs) that's right (laughs) There would be many good ones. <laughs> yeah, Yes, but this is how he got to do those different things, and it was just... A nice little moment. Yeah, it, really, it was really Well, and great. he followed that up with a little lyric change. I felt a little ill when I saw all the pictures of the Negroes that were there before me mm-hmm. instead of jockeys. Yeah. Which I thought was meant to be a little funny. Yes. I saw all the pictures like a, him saying jockeys obviously made sense because there's this connection with horses and yeah. Trojans and that right. kind of stuff. But Negroes was like brothers or, uh-huh. you know. A little more specific. Right. Yeah. 
So as many times as I've heard this song, I always thought it worked really well with his vocal range and also mm-hmm. the vocal range of the band in their backup singing roles. It just all sounds really good together, even though I don't think of Dr. Fink and Brown Mark and Lisa maybe to a degree, but I don't think of them as super excellent singers right. or singing voices, but together they sound really great. Oh, yeah. I'm backing Prince up here. For the entire last minute of this song, it's just like an outro and drums and guitar and Prince ad-libbing. If you want to be my woman, there's just one thing you got to understand. Mm-hmm. you got to slow down. <laughs> Every woman in the building is like, I can do that. I can. <laughs> whatever you want. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I really liked, uh, here's one of the ladies in the background. I couldn't tell if it was Lisa or Jill. And it was like just right, like right at three minutes, them singing in the background. It was it was just right. Cool. You'll have to play that part yeah, for me because yeah. I don't remember. I don't know. It was, I thought it was good. So it's a pretty uh, impressive opening to the t- the show controversy let's work and little corvette you could say it's almost like a medley little little corvette did i say little corvette uh-huh now i'm pretty sure i said red <laughs> you can edit that back in right <laughs> no one will ever know <laughs> controversy let's work and little red corvette as a nice medley to open yeah. the show yeah and this song comes to an end and this is the first place where you yeah. something's cut out Something so? I do. I don't Why? think it, it just the way it sounded like to me, it really feels like it feels feel, like it, it feels like it <laughs> can play at this game. Christy, <laughs> it really felt like there was a, maybe a little something cut out. Now, maybe it was just audience noise. Hmm. This one felt like there was a little gap there. Oh, it didn't to me. I thought okay. there was enough. Of a breath there, and then you can hear like a guitar sound or something between Little Red Corvette before Do Me Baby starts that sounds like, you know, someone's getting ready to play. I don't know. It's possible they might have cut out some audience noise or a longer break there to make this all fit because it's almost at the maximum length that you can fit on a disc as it is. But regardless of whether there was more there or not, the next song they played was Do Me, Comma, Baby. <laughs> that comma is very important to you. It is. It's a very, it's a well-placed comma, right? Mm-hmm. Sure. It should be there. Yeah. Uh, seven minutes and 18 seconds of the first slow jam. And I mean, the minute that the drums start, you can hear women screaming. Uh, yeah. Yes. Totally. <laughs> We get a really long instrumental intro before Prince starts singing, and who knows, Prince was probably doing something tantalizing on stage, toying with the crowd, judging by the intermittent swells and applause and uh-huh. screams that are there. Yeah. Um, but we can't see that on this audio disc. We will see if there was something similar on the video from Houston 
uh, in the next episode. Yeah, I'll be excited to see that because the audience is just beside themselves. Yeah, who knows what uh, Prince exactly is doing up there until he starts singing at about 2 minutes and 34 seconds. Yeah. Uh, the way he delivers the chorus, it's funny, dirty Prince. And uh-huh. he's, it's pleading and pretty and aching and animalistic. Yeah, another yeah, great just, mixture example of mix, mixing his falsettos and uh, more speaking voice mm-hmm. throughout this whole song. He does have some amazing falsettos, like at four minutes and five seconds when he sings, Here we are. Uh-huh. I wrote that <laughs> one down too. It's good. Super high. Like five minutes and twenty seconds or so, we get very classic Prince oohs, and uh, you know yeah, he's screaming like, and grinding, and this, sure. you know, he's really uh-huh. become a great live performer and is understanding how to toy with an audience, doing very little but acting out uh-huh. you know, things that instigate responses. <laughs> That's such a political way to put it. That's very yeah. good. said in an interview at some point that Do Me Baby was the first, you know, slow jam that he really thought uh, made this connection or made you think about the act of making love and um, kind of was, you know, sexy and pretty all at one time. Mm-hmm. Okay. Did you hear any uh, scandalous in here? Well, yeah, I hear scandalous in Do Me Baby uh-huh. and When Two Are In Love. Uh-huh. And like insatiable. A lot. I was listening to this and I really kind of expected him to sing marvelous. <laughs> no, he wouldn't have done that just yet. <laughs> no, but, yeah. I, but it was, it really like made, made a connection for me mm-hmm. in, you know, having heard do me baby before. I just didn't really make the connection until I hear, heard this particular live version. I was like, Oh, yeah, that was kind of like yeah, I think already he, percolating there yeah. in his brain. Yeah, he inspired himself for mm-hmm. those songs. I would say Do Me Baby, International Lover, Scandalous, When Two Are In Love, Insatiable, all cut from the same Do Me Baby cloth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, There were probably a lot of clothes laying around on the floor. Uh-huh. So we cut them all up and make a new song. <laughs> <laughs> he had some good screams. Oh, yes. They're super fun. And then, uh, again, I felt like there was a kind of a break in between Doomy Baby and Head. There was like a little trimming there, it sounded like to me. You're looking at me like you don't think so. I don't think so, but Mm. I have nothing to back it up other than my own thoughts and feelings. Okay, well, that's fine. And, uh, you know. Which have a uh, broken and scattered, if best. At best track record no, on this show. Only recently. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. But you know, just it sounded a little and maybe that's just transitioning from one song to another was not as smooth as it sometimes was. He did a lot more talking in his songs 
at this point in his career than he did between them, which mm. was sort of the opposite towards the end of his career. He would talk a lot between songs. So I didn't find that it was uh, weirdly long or short between these songs. I just thought I could see him doing either one. I could see him having a big break after Do Me Baby and mm-hmm. going into the next song, Head, or as it's presented here, having that song end and he just launch right into it to keep the thing moving. But mm-hmm. either way, we get a performance of Head next. Mm-hmm. And you wouldn't know it to begin with that it was Head. Uh, no. Uh, because it is not the beat from Head. That's the beat from Lady Cab Driver. Oh. Note for note. Okay. Um, and we get another great rhythm guitar part, which I assume is Prince, at 22 seconds before yeah. anything starts. Again, up until that point, I don't think you can really identify it as head until those hits start coming in at like 37 seconds mm-hmm. after Prince counts it off. He goes, uh, 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 yeah, know, you get those hits that are clearly head. But up until that point, if I didn't see it on a track list, I wouldn't have recognized wouldn't, it yeah. as that song. That's cool. Especially at 40 seconds where... Prince says something. Aya va papa. Sometimes aya. Oh, I, I don't remember. 40 seconds, you'll yeah. play it here, and you'll go, how did I, what the heck? I mean, he sounds like he is just unintelligible. Okay. Aya va papa. Sometimes I'll have to listen to it again. Maybe I thought I understood it and didn't make a... I don't Note think of it. so. I think that you just must not have heard it. Because if you understood that, then I want to come back and edit in what it is you think he says. <laughs> okay. I can tell you what I hear again. Ayava, papa. Sometimes I <laughs> Okay. It's this meaningless blubber. Okay. Blabber, not blubber. <laughs> Prince is not a man of blubber. <laughs> no. <laughs> Blabber. <laughs> Head blabber. <laughs> I don't know. Whatever. This song sounds awesome. It's yeah. maybe a little more upbeat and faster than the album version from Dirty Mind. It's not quite as stripped down. Yeah. We've got another drawn out rhythm guitar sustained note. It's like two minutes and four seconds. That's really cool. I like that. Lisa's spoken part at two minutes and 26 seconds. Suddenly she's got this megaphonish effect to her line. I must confess. I want to get undressed and go to bed. Mm-hmm. Sounds like she's got a megaphone Megbone. that she's talking uh-huh. through. Yeah. It's really cool. Yeah. He said, I must confess. I want to get undressed and go to bed. I thought all of Lisa's parts in this were, like really so uh-huh. cool. You're such a hunk, so full of spunk. I'm like, yeah. She didn't care about the spunk. No. <laughs> what a good sport, and, and to make it sound so like dirty and erotic and yep. 
Well, that's the story goes. That's part of how Lisa got the job mm-hmm. in the band because yeah, none of this faced her. Yeah, and it's not like we know her at all, but we have met her a couple times, and both times she just seems like this oh. super sweet, nothing bothers me kind of person. You know, oh, I'll just I'll do it; it'll be fine. Yeah, I can hear her saying <laughs> yeah. that in her head. <laughs> yeah, whatever it takes, man. He says, "All the nasty people stand up. All the nasty people stand up. Come on." Is anybody sitting? Nobody's sitting. I bet surely. I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe not. Nobody's sitting. We get Dr. Fink's famous solo at three minutes and 25 seconds. That's always fun to hear. Mm -hmm. Prince calls him out for it. All right. (laughs) Yes, we do. And we get that rhythm guitar again. From 22 seconds in the song, it reappears at 3 minutes and 57 seconds underneath the end of Dr. Fink's solo, which is different and kind of fun from, mm-hmm. the, from the album version. And here we get a, another seamless transition into another song. At mm-hmm. 4 minutes, 11 seconds, Prince shouts out, Turn around! And the song keeps going, the same lady cab driver beat, but now it has turned into Uptown. Uptown. This version makes me like the album version even more, not because it's not as good, but because it's even better than the album version, and it makes me want to go back and listen to the album version some mm-hmm. more. It's like yeah. this self-perpetuating thing. Like, wow, this sounds great live. I want to go back and uh-huh. listen. listen to the studio version. Uh-huh. Oh, and that, that now that I've listened to the studio version, let's go back and listen to that cool live version yeah, again. Yeah, how much faster and more finished it sounds. But his first... Call of duty during Uptown is to call out the people in the balcony. Yes. Right? Up there, raise your hands. I see you. Uh, I see you. Yeah. And you know that he's he's not talking to anyone in particular. He's talking to the balcony at large. But I can just imagine, like, there were people up there who felt very seen. Up there, raise your hands. I see you. Yes. By that, like he was talking to That's them. That's why, you know, he's obviously not the only live performer to do this, but the, no, there but... is something special about being in a crowd and feeling like your section's being pointed out and uh-huh. you're important even though you aren't in the first 10 rows. Oh, well, just like when Maceo Parker pointed right at us yes, when we although, were yeah, we were up we were front. Up front. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, still, it did make us feel good. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We felt seen and it was great. Yeah. And, yeah. Oh, we didn't even talk about tickets to get into the show. They were like $13.50 and $15, which you think of 1981. That wasn't cheap. No. But, but it certainly wasn't, you know, budget busting to go mm-mm. see a future rock and roll Hall of Famer in concert. Not, you know, and all of $300 a ticket, $400 right. a ticket. I mean, even inflation-wise, it, that wasn't anywhere near what that would have cost. Yep. And a fairly intimate venue too. Yeah. At 40, I think I said 4,700. I think it was more like 4,300. Oh, But anyway, not a, not a big place. Yeah. Not a big place at all. But man, I love the guitars going on as Prince sings the first verse. There's Mm -hmm. much more of a rock punk feeling to this than the studio version, even though the studio version was kind of 
punkish, you know, mm-hmm. because that's what it was. He's kind of claiming his own utopia and that kind of thing. And come here. Mm-hmm. And again, the mixing is really yeah, it well is. done. Yes, it's good in headphones. Turn it up. Mm-hmm. Very much yep. so. There's an instrumental guitar part that sounds as if lyrics were forgotten or missed. Did you f- f- feel this? Like at 50 seconds, he sings the start of the second verse and stops. And then there's like almost 30 seconds of instrumental and guitar playing and he starts the second verse over Oh, like he messed it up or forgot the words and maybe went and did something with the crowd and came back and started the second verse over again. Then at two minutes and two seconds, we get a guitar solo that matches the synth line from the album version. And I've never, I never really think of Uptown as this guitar laden anthem, but that's sort of what this version turns it into, Mm -hmm. which I think is great. Kind of a neat updating to the song. Two whole albums ago. <laughs> well, two whole Prince albums ago and a Vanity Six album and a Time album. And, yeah. oh, by the way, two albums worth of outtakes. Yep. In the can. So I thought Uptown was great. Makes yes. me appreciate Uptown even more. I agree. And we have Lisa give us a little interlude mm-hmm. for... Two minutes and 15 seconds. Yep, her keyboard interlude. Mm-hmm. So who knows why this was needed? Did Prince have a costume change or... Potty break? Some water? Yeah, maybe. Prince himself said he didn't drink enough water. Well. I never once saw him on stage with a bottle of water. No, that's why he had to go off stage. Backstage? Yeah. Maybe so. Yeah. Lisa wrote it. It's not known to be recorded in the studio. It was performed throughout the 1999 tour. Mm-hmm. Sometimes um, I saw with an instrumental portion of With You mixed mm-hmm. in from Prince's No, For second. You. Oh, with You. I saw With You also. Oh, okay. Well, I saw I For You. Okay. With You and For You. Okay. Both. So, yes. Instrumentals sometimes in there. It was... Uh, pretty and a little mournful at times and it was real organ synthesizer heavy yep and it reminded me a little bit of a song by queen that didn't come out till later oh and i would doubt that they were related in any way but they reminded me of uh who wants to live forever there's no chance for us which okay. was on uh, 1986's It's a Kind of Magic, which served as the soundtrack for the movie Highlander. Didn't know that. Yeah, but it sounded a little bit like that to me. It kind of, re- like, it reminds me of something. Cool. Because it was also a little mournful, a little sad. So that was a little break. Yes. We're going to take a little quick break. This is our interlude. Our, our own podcast in- interlude. Our own little interlude right here. 
Lils and Patrick are two local musicians from the New England area whose minimal accomplishments have left them thoroughly unqualified to judge bands and artists who have been more successful than they ever could be. And yet, their passion for bad music persists on Jukebox Zeros, the podcast that takes a retrospective look at the worst albums of all time. From the Shags to Attila, from Cyberpunk to Scream, if there's a band that has an album they're ashamed of, Lils and Patrick will be there. Share their love on Jukebox Zeros, now on the Zero Science Network and wherever podcasts may be found. Thanks for sticking with us through that quick break. We're back with How Come You Don't Call Me Anymore. This is the third time that this song has showed up on the set. We had the original studio B-side mm-hmm. on disc two, which we talked about many moons ago mm-hmm. in our original 1999 episode yes. podcast. Uh, and then on vault, the end of vault disc one, we have that second studio live take that was so pretty and so beautiful. Mm-hmm. So I feel like anything on this set after hearing that outtake is almost overshadowed by the outtake. Um, but we get the sincere and yearning with incredible singing on that studio outtake. And we get a lot of that here, but also a lot of toying with the audience, which is, which is something that Prince used this song for a lot, including on the Purple Rain tour. Mm-hmm. Yes. It was super, super fun. I really I loved the audience interaction here. There's a tambourine to help with the beat that's not part of the, either of the two studio versions, which mm-hmm. is interesting. The band handling background vocals throughout the entire thing, which they do really, really well. It's kind of a doo-wop kind of background yeah, singing. Yeah, it's not the like heartbreaking studio version that's so yeah. intimate this is a little bit different but you know it is it was, it's like how come you don't call me anymore mixed with do yourself a favor yeah 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 that's yeah it's do yourself a favor and don't call me anymore <laughs> <laughs> so like at three minutes and six seconds through the end of the song the the revolution essentially is singing how come you don't call me while prince ad-libs on top of them <laughs> Oh, he just drives the audience wild. Yep, he knows how to toy with a large auditorium. Full of women. Yep, mostly, it sounds like. (laughs) I bet you've got another man. Yep. And they're all, you can hear them, no, Yes, never. (laughs) I bet you got another man. But he claims he's got another woman. Uh-huh. And then they're heartbroken about that. Let me tell you something. I got another woman. But then, as they're uh-huh. making love, uh-huh. he screams out her name, uh-huh. the, the crowd's name. Yeah. His original, the person, the subject of the song has yes. their name called out. Uh-huh. <laughs> Yes, I did. Did you notice at three minutes, 56 seconds, he says, Vous autres belle, which I'm going to butcher the French saying from Girls and Boys. Oh, no. Which means, 
you look lovely or you are very beautiful. So that would turn into a chorus of a song a few years later, mm-hmm. which I thought was interesting. I was very surprised to hear that. Like, where did this French come from? I don't know. Yeah, because you think of Prince's love affair with France starting after Under yeah. the Cherry Moon. Yep. Yeah, very much so. Starting, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, or during his filming right. of it there. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Other things I found that were little Easter eggs here at five minutes and 20 seconds where he says, I went to the doctor and he said, Prince, uh-huh. you're just going through a phase. He beat me to it. Baby, I just can't stop this hunger. It's been going on for days. Doctor said, Prince, how you don't call You're just going through a phase. What song is it from, Christy? Nothing compares to you. He says the doctor, the doctor part thought made me think of nothing compares to you. I went to the doctor, guess what it told me? Guess what it told me? Boy, try to have fun. Maybe slightly, but where I'm going is it's straight from the song Lust You Always, oh. which is an outtake from this era. Okay. He calls yeah. instead of doctor, it's his analyst assures me. Okay. It's yes. just a phase. Baby can't stop this hunger. It's been going on for days Dave. is oh. a verse straight from the unreleased era track, Lust You Always, which also didn't make it onto this collection. Yes. But here's a little hint to it huh. right here in the middle of the spoken part. My analyst assured me that you were just a phase, but I just can't stop this hunger. It's been And not to be outdone, he does it a second time at six minutes and eight seconds. He says, when I sleep, I dream of you. I dream about doing the things we used to do. I'd make it so nice if only I could. Don't you want to see my Tootsie Roll? Uh, when I sleep, I dream of you. I dream about doing things we used to do. I'd make it so nice. Make it so nice if I only could. Don't you want to play with my tootsie roll? It's straight from the song Chocolate, the outtake chocolate that Prince recorded during this era and was released on the Times album Pandemonium that was part of the Graffiti Bridge soundtrack. Yeah. kept listening to him I'm like what he's saying all these things where are they from and it probably took me two or three listens to realize oh these are two sets of lyrics of unreleased songs that he's using as spoken parts in this uh-huh. little part to toy with people okay. and they don't even realize that they're hearing <laughs> lyrics from songs he's recorded and that they may or may not ever hear I didn't uh, make the connection with Bless You Always but mm. I did did with Chocolate I was like, oh, yeah, because I love that song. It was yes. so much fun. Yes. So also maybe a little elbow nudge at the time, too, because they were uh-huh. quite a rivalry at the time. Uh-huh. And uh, here he is singing a song that he may or may not have recorded for them to begin with, and he's 
reclaiming it in a concert. Mm-hmm. So there may be more going on there than we can tell. <laughs> Morris Day is backstage. Shaking his head. Stinking prince. Yeah. I still need to read his book. You got it for me for Christmas. I haven't even cracked it open yet. Yeah, that's all right. Sometimes it, it'll happen. It's tough to either make the time or just the time. Uh, uh, go and sit with memories like that can be difficult. Yeah, sometimes. But you have to be in the right state of mind. Yeah. Um. What else do we get? Six minutes and forty seconds. It's the second and only time that I think Prince actually swears during this concert. Okay. How come you don't call me? It's just one motherfucking time. Uh, mm-hmm. And the crowd, what is it about swearing about worthless things like dimes that makes people go nuts? Because people went nuts when he said that verse. Well, Maybe because like, he was screaming would, and. Yeah, well, he's excited. Moment, and then right? also they're like, I have a dime. I will call you. <laughs> Give me you your worry. number. <laughs> So the whole thing comes to an abrupt an abrupt end when Prince says, let's go. She ain't going to call. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, never mind. Let's go. She ain't going to call. Very cute. But yes. again, uh, very much in contrast with that studio version that we covered a couple episodes ago that is so heartbreaking and so beautifully sung. Mm-hmm. And this is nicely sung, but it's also... Playful. It's comedic. Yeah. And then we have Automatic... It's a little more upbeat and happier live. A little less ominous than yeah. the album version. Yeah, the album version is sort of dystopian yes. a little bit. Very Blade Runner. Uh-huh, yes. Um, and here, this song live is awesome. I've never n- not heard this song live and thought, man, this is so good. Yeah. I totally love it. Seven yeah. minutes and two seconds. Yeah. This does not go off without its hitches either. Okay. However. Josh found a quote-unquote mistake. Oh, man. It's nice to know that Prince was a human being. (laughs) (laughs) At least in the early 80s. (laughs) Yeah, that's true, because he was perfect 99% of the time. But let me let you into a little secret, friends. Listen very closely at 50 seconds. First verse, the lyrics are, Stop the music, baby. You're all I want to do. The band sings it correctly. You can hear Prince abort his screw up. He sings, stop the music, baby. You know, I'm an automatic. Ooh. Stop the music, baby. You know, I'm an automatic. And that's the <laughs> end of the ooh. I'm an automatic fool. He doesn't say, ooh. He just quits singing. Uh-huh. And the rest of the band finishes it correctly for him. <laughs> So of all the S-H-I-T he gave to band members for their mess-ups or screw-ups, uh-huh. here's one here that I bet the band couldn't even kid, kid with him about. Right, yeah. Oh, yeah, because he's probably in a bad mood. Probably so. Probably yeah. very angry at himself. But yeah, listen close. He sings the end of the second verse at the end of the first verse uh-huh. almost all the way through and kind of cuts it off. Yeah. Well, he oh, makes up nice for it with a little oh, no. kiss. Yes, that's true. Another smoochy. Yeah. You asked me if I kiss you. Submatic. Yeah. Yep. I always felt like this song was a precursor to Computer Blue, too. It has so many Mm -hmm. Computer Blue elements in it. It's kind of, obviously, it's all about 
automatic and being programmed to do something and mm-hmm. just doing it. I love it in every in every way. Yeah. Um, I like how he gets the crowd into this one in a minute and 55 seconds after the second chorus, yes. which he sings all correct. Yeah. <laughs> he gets the crowd going, wave, yes. everybody wave. Uh-huh, yes. Yeah, so I thought this was the best kind of crowd control. Yes. It's, yeah. You can call me CC, crowd control, as uh, he would say later uh, uh, in life. Yep. I think Brown Mark gets to shine on this song, too, during a breakdown at 2 minutes and 37 seconds, while the revolution sings A-U-T-O-Matic, mm-hmm. and you can hear Brown Mark playing bass very, mm-hmm. very clearly, yeah. and it's... It's sick. It's good. <laughs> it's sick in a good way. It's COVID-19 base. <laughs> we also get a great guitar solo at three minutes and 50 seconds, which I'm guessing is Des Dickerson playing. Yeah, I would think so. But it's also really well mixed. I noticed mm-hmm. the mixing in this one a lot. often hear i mean how many bootleg concerts have we heard Plenty. The, yeah they're not they don't typically use the stereo particularly well yeah that's and true that's that's one of the reasons i'd really love to get lots of live yeah shows recordings yeah just release them yeah and you know, i will have say them mixed well yeah i definitely agree with you there's not an overuse of reverb in any way for anybody mm-hmm. to complain about this seems very faithful to the original mm-hmm. uh soundboard recording but yeah. just um treat it in a really nice way there's a great instrumental extended ending to the song that starts at like four minutes and 12 seconds, right? With the band band chanting, Hey! And a keyboard part that's new to the song, but would be used for years to come every time the song was played live. You can really hear it at like five minutes and three seconds, this keyboard part that kind of goes, and just repeats over and over and over. There are later versions of the song during the parade tour where the whole song would stop and that's the only part that would play for a minute or two during kind of this breakdown, again, toying with the crowd kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But it's not on the album version, which is pretty neat. Yeah, it's he's really toying with the crowd at the mm-hmm. end here because it kind of seems like it's coming to an end. Yeah. And then, oh, no, more stuff it happens. It takes off again. Yeah. Yeah. It was really fun. Yeah, and even at... Seven minutes and two seconds is still a couple minutes shorter than the album version of the song, (laughs) which is amazing. Mm -hmm. So it really, though, ends at five minutes and 50 seconds. And then there's like more than a minute of drums, guitars, outro, build up thing um, before the song really ends. So it's really more like a less than six minute version of AUT-O-Matic. Yeah. And then we have International Lover. Fasten your seatbelts, prepare for takeoff, and the crowd is ready. Fasten your seatbelts. Prepare for takeoff. 
Yeah, and They're, again, this is a relatively new song, too. Yes. So the fact that they know it, it was nowhere near being a single or being played no. publicly. No. Yeah, this, like I said earlier, when you mentioned Scandalous, I think musically you can tell that Prince was kind of giving us Do Me Baby Part 2, but with airplane puns uh-huh. for international <laughs> lover. There. <laughs> so my thought, you know, this is another song that appears repeatedly on the set with the album version, and then there's the live studio take with Prince and Morris Day doing an early version of this song, and now this live version. Mm-hmm. And it made me, you know, I'm listening to the lyrics, I'm like, you know, wow, remember when flying was fun and kind of romanticized, and now it's just like, a scary giant pain in the ass. Yeah. yeah. Now, it's, well, people used to dress. They used to like yeah. get dressed up to fly, and it was a big deal. Right. It's like know, church they, in a tube. They, <laughs> and they brought you like a hot meal, and uh-huh. yeah, it was like a big deal. Yeah. And now, it's, and now you want to show up in a hazmat suit and Clorox wipes <laughs> and put like a clothespin over your nose and cover your mouth for the entire flight. Uh huh. I've been Clorox wiping airplanes for decades yeah, but yeah probably the only reason there are like three or four seats on planes throughout the southwest fleet of <laughs> airlines that have clean areas on them <laughs> uh, i'm really looking forward to the video for this one because mm-hmm. there's some visual stuff going yeah. on at places that um are probably less porny than it sounds yeah but I mean, all you hear is the audience reaction to stuff yeah. and they're laughing and screaming and having You're a great time. Totally right. It. It's somewhere between porny and corny, but <laughs> in a very infatuating, toying kind of way. Yeah, it's probably people... way less gross than what is going on in my brain. So I'm really looking forward to seeing the yeah. visuals from a concert that includes this. Yeah, I'd say for the most part, this is faithful to the album version, aside mm-hmm. from Prince's ad-libs at the end, where they might go a little overboard when he claims to know where his lover's G-spot is and uh-huh. asks if she wants him to show her as if he would know her body better than she would. I know your G-spot is. You want me to show you? Uh, and asking if she's if she likes speed or Valium. Uh-huh, yeah. And, oh, are you a speed me, freak? Do, are yeah. you into Valium? Yeah, yeah. yeah, do you like it fast or uh-huh. do you like it slow? Yeah. Are you a speed freak? Are you into Valium? I'm sorry, what I meant to say, do you like it fast or do you like it slow? I thought that was kind of fun. It's kind of fun, but again, it does sound... Now, looking back, it's very clear to me where, you know, there's a young Prince era, there's this maturing Prince era, and then there's a mature adult Prince era. And I never really saw those distinctions when he was alive. And as I grew up listening to his music, it Uh all kind of sounded, oh, that's just him. Yeah. But listening back to this, this is very young Prince. Yeah. Yeah. Envelope pushing Mm -hmm. in a very dirty way Prince. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So at the end, we get Lisa again in her megaphone distortion, which you could also hear in head. Uh-huh. And she says, thank you for flying, Prince International. Remember, the next time you fly, fly, fly international. international. <laughs> <laughs> the next time you fly, fly international. 
As soon as this song ends, you get the song that you assume a lot of people are there to hear. Mm-hmm. It was a hit on the radio at the time. Yes. And the title of the tour. And he decides to end with it instead of open with it. Yes. Which is fun. 1999. No voice intro. You got that earlier. Yeah. So they just launch right into it. <laughs> and uh, each singer gets their own part, just like the studio version, where they all recorded it together. But then when Prince mixed the song, he was the one who had the idea to split everybody into their own parts, including him. And this is something that I think I've listened to it a few times to try to figure out if I should mention this or not. And I'm just going to put myself out there and mention it. But at 30 seconds... Lisa's singing, I was dreaming when I wrote this, forgive me if it goes astray, sounds like her vocals still have that megaphone distortion on them. Yeah. From the end of International Lover, accidentally. Yeah, this was the first time that I thought that the quality was lacking anywhere, and I think now that you've pointed out that yeah, I don't think it was distortion. quality. I think it was just the yeah. effect on her voice. That yeah, they forgot to turn it off. Somebody forgot to turn it off. Because yep. when you compare it to when she sings her part of the second verse at 1 minute 17 seconds, I was dreaming when I wrote this, so sue me if I go too fast, it sounds much better. So I think, yeah, it was an effect error. Yeah. Okay. An effect error. <laughs> It's only fair that I would make a mistake pointing out someone else's mistakes. Yeah. So now we're even. That's Me fine. and Lisa, where our feud there, can end. There, there you go. You mentioned how this was a hit on the radio, but man, this double album had only been out a month. And this audience knew this song left, right, center, forwards, backwards, upside down. <laughs> yeah, they did. Yes, he could have been singing 9,991, and they would still get the words right. 91? That's backwards, but oh. 1999. Oh, yes. Yeah. Okay. I don't, I, I don't, I don't, I don't always make mistakes <laughs> with my jokes. <laughs> and again, he's, he calls for everybody to stand up, and yeah. once again, I'm like, who is sitting? Nobody's yeah, during sitting. 1999 at whatever, 2 o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. Very faithful to the studio version, I thought, mm-hmm. uh, until when we get the breakdown with the cool rhythm guitar and Prince singing, Mommy, why does everybody have a bomb? Uh-huh. I thought it was cool that he took it. Yeah. Maybe there was supposed to be distortion on his voice throughout that because there is at the very end when he says it, there's Mm. distortion on his voice, but there's not in the middle of the song. So who knows if that was intentional or not. But there's also a new instrumental part at like five minutes and 24 seconds. It's got a heavy bass line and a rhythm guitar run, and it goes back to mommy and repeats throughout the end of the song where it's Mm -hmm. this do, 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 and it's something that was not in the studio version of the song again, was used in this tour and was used in the Purple Rain tour when they were playing 1999. There was this live little section that was added to it to draw it out a little bit more. And this was the first time that uh, I'd heard it, you know, at least in the 1999 tour, especially in the quality that we have here. Yeah. It was very fun. Uh, 
six minutes and 12 seconds, Prince gets the crowd repeating his ooh yeah. two times. Ooh, uh-huh. ooh. And, it was really fun. And they're doing it. You oh, can hear yeah. it. Oh, yeah. And the crowd isn't real heavy in the mix. A lot of live recordings have the audience a little louder than what we have here. Oh, um, so a lot of live recordings are taken from the audience. Yeah, but there's also, there'll be like a audience or a house mic to mm-hmm. mix in some ambience kind right. of thing. Um, and it's fairly low in the mix here, but you can still hear them being involved, which I thought was nice. Okay. Very cool. Yeah. Audience involvement. And a guitar solo, which I assume is Dez at six minutes and 23 seconds, which again, there's not a guitar solo in the song 1999 mm-hmm. on the album version. Yeah, but it's really good. It is really good. It was a flat jam. It was. At it was the a end lot of, of fun. The song. Yes. Yeah. It was a great band workout. You could tell that they had rehearsed it a million times. Mm-hmm. There, um, aside from the little vocal effect on Lisa's voice, I think it would be hard for them to mess the song up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. They most certainly did not. So thank you. Good night. Thank you very much. Good night. And then we kind of get the full audience experience here, like begging for more. They left all that audience, like really what it's like to anticipate the encore. Yes. Yeah, which I really liked. Yeah, I mean, it might be, if there's anything that could be shortened, it was like a minute and 45 seconds of, you know, calls for Encore on the disc from the time that 1999 ended until DMSR starts. See, and I kind of wanted... You liked it. I do. I really like the... I like more of it, that like the places where it was cut out, Mm. I kind of wish it hadn't been because we don't get to have a live concert experience anymore. True, but if I'm listening to this in my car or in headphones, like I want to hear music. I don't need to hear the anticipation of music coming. Oh, see, and I just, it kind of puts me in the concert space. Oh, you like it? I do like it. I get, I'm fine either way because I can skip it, which I usually do, which mm-hmm. I did today. Mm-hmm. In fact, that's fine. Yeah. I can see it both ways. I can see why you'd want the... But if they're going to preserve the minute and 45 seconds between the last song and the encore, then they should preserve the same effect throughout the entire concert. So I guess I'll give them the benefit of the doubt and say this was preserved as as it was played and the space between the songs was all authentic in the way that it was presented in the show. Mm-hmm. And then we have the encore. The encore. DMSR. Dance, music, sex, romance. Mm -hmm. I love, love, love hearing this song live because I really think that Prince wrote it with performing it live in mind. Definitely, because even the calls that he makes on the album version for different groups of people to get involved and clap your hands on the four. Uh Uh-huh. 
Yeah, definitely sounds like a party song meant to be performed live. Mm-hmm. Yes. So hearing it performed live, you had to put it on the album to make sure that people knew it and right. they could this, enjoy it live. This is the foundation. This right? is this is where he really wanted this song was yeah. live in concerts. Yeah, it's a little. I mean, I compare it to Days of Wild later on, uh, except he didn't release. The studio version. It was almost like he recorded the studio version, realized what he had, and shelved it and thought, this is going to be primarily a live experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think maybe that was just a little bit uh, different of a perspective to come at it from, whereas he thought, oh, I need to put DMSR on the album so that people will know it. Right. And Days of Wild, he was like, yeah, they'll catch up. True. People will follow me. People yeah. are already following him by then. Here he was still trying to bring together that dream audience of mixed race and mm-hmm. men and women yep. and kind of mirroring how he assembled the revolution. Mm-hmm. It was still very much a... He was he was still building that. He had not achieved it yet. Yes. He was still climbing that ladder, so to speak. So yeah, I think, again, this was a super fun encore and very much faithful to the studio version mm-hmm. up until about midway through. Yeah. Like at four minutes and 13 seconds where he says, hit me now. And there's this new keyboard line that repeats through the end of the song that's similar to how the new parts of 1999 were handled. There's just this... Thing that repeats and goes up in scale and down in scale and it's just kind of I can see it's just to dance to mm-hmm. and have fun live. Yeah, some don't you all want to go home? <laughs> <laughs> like, uh no. Yeah. Don't y'all want to go home? They haven't been up performing two concerts that night already. So (laughs) they don't want to go home. They want to listen to you. Yeah, totally. Yeah. That was something he did a lot too. Don't y'all want to go home? Uh, No, the answer is always no. Yeah. Yes. That's rhetorical prints at play. And then uh, towards the end of DMSR, the 1999 voice appears again. Mm -hmm. Don't worry. After a long drum jam. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, it was good. And, and then long we get a, cheering applause. Yes, with a thunderstorm mm-hmm. outro. So I guess we come full, full circle from the beginning of the show mm-hmm. to the end. Yeah. So we talked about this a little bit. If we can touch on a little surprise entry for this episode... Regarding DMSR, uh-huh. there's been a circulating soundboard recording of 1999 tour rehearsals that I've had for, I don't know, 16, 17 years. DMSR was one of my favorite listens during this rehearsal. Mm-hmm. So I had to send it to you so you could hear it. So the <laughs> they did a lot of ad-libbing in this rehearsal that did not make it into the studio <laughs> or the concert version, of course, uh-huh. but I wish it had. There's just a yeah. whole lot of Prince ad-libs and him having a lot of fun with the band and DMSR. So the beginning of this rehearsal starts with Prince calling out, Cool in the game, like he's <laughs> saying. This is what it sounds like. Cool in the game. And he starts, 
He throws the band curveballs yeah. by saying, somebody say dance, Mark, and half the band says Mark and half says music. music I guess uh-huh. he's pointing at Brown Mark. Then he gets into things like sex, hamburgers, hot dogs, pizza, <laughs> pussy. Uh, perfect weekend. That's a perfect weekend. <laughs> It's so funny. You can hear him smiling. Yes. So I think we've got to give everyone a taste of that here. Six hamburgers, hot dogs, hot dogs, pizza, pizza, root beer, root beer, pussy, pussy. That's a perfect weekend. And Prince mixes in some other top 40 hits during that time when he... He throws in lines from the Talking Heads once in a lifetime. Uh-huh. At like four minutes and 24 seconds, he calls out, This is not my beautiful wife. <laughs> this is not my beautiful house. <laughs> this is not my beautiful wife. This is not my beautiful house. It's really cool to know, like, he's listening to the radio, just like the rest of us. Yeah. Um, Which is funny, because that guy was just on SNL. Yeah, David Byrne was just on Saturday Night Live on March 1st, 2020, singing that very hit. Mm -hmm. So it was fun to revisit that from a rehearsal sometime in 1982. And not to be outdone, he also mixed in James Brown's Too Funky in Here at the end of the song, too, at like 10 minutes and 40 seconds in the rehearsal. Um, it just would have been really cool to hear some of that mixed in to the live version, but I guess he was building his own brand at that time. I and, guess so, but know. I mean, how fun to mm-hmm. realize that, oh, hey, Prince listens to the radio and he's in the tour bus. Yes, more proof that he is a human. Yeah. With the ears like the rest of us. Yes. All right. That's the end of the concert. So that brings us time to make some selections. Okay. We can All do right. this. <laughs> oh, Josh is not complaining so much about selections this time. Let me tell you what we select. We selected time capsule, something that exemplifies the time at which the music was recorded or when it was released. The choice about that is up to the host. We choose a C. Not that it's bad. It could be bad, but it's the low point of the selections that we're listening to. Mm-hmm. And then the mountain, the thing that we liked the most. So there are my rules. I go first. So my time capsule is... Yes. How come you don't call me anymore? Because oh, right. the audience knows it and he plays with them so much and has so much fun with it. Mm-hmm. And... When he had like bigger hits later, people knew this song, but I don't, I don't think he could quite play with them in the same way. Okay. Yeah. So I think it was just a, that he could enjoy it so much with this audience was only because he had a smaller catalog right. that it was as effective as it was. So I think that makes this particular concert performance of it a little mm-hmm. unique and special that yeah. way. 
And we haven't got there yet. Who knows when we will? But we will we'll get to the Purple Rain era and mm-hmm. that B-side and this kind of toying with the audience definitely carried over into the Purple Rain tour in mm-hmm. 84 and 85 also. Yeah. So that's a good selection. Thanks. There, What's there, yours? There are no wrong choices here. No. I, I have to say. I wasn't sure how I could not go with 1999 where it was the single at the time. Little Red Corvette hadn't been released as a single yet, and the 1999 album had only been out for a month. Um, so the performance of 1999 here was the title of the tour. Mm-hmm. It was an easy pick for me, so I went with it. Great. I didn't fight the feeling. Yeah, that's as you said, there's no wrong choices here. Right. <laughs> So the C for me. Don't screw this up. <laughs> what? If we just said there were no wrong choices. Oh. <laughs> okay. Go ahead. I was confused there for a second. <laughs> you stole it right up at the top I was st- that we didn't have any mm. of the time and vanity six stuff. That's like, very CDs fair. are cheap, man. Yeah, they are. You know what? Or make it a streaming me, exclusive or or charge me another five dollars, ten dollars to yeah. Buy what you know. Once you're in for eighty bucks, what's another? That's true. Ten dollars to throw another CD in there. Yeah, if you're going to call it a super deluxe edition, it should include everything that had to do with the album. And honestly, as much as I love the two vault discs in here, and they were primarily the reason I bought the thing, it's a little unfair to include all these unreleased Prince songs and not include the songs he was writing for others at the time who were touring with him. Yeah, at the time. Yeah. Um, so. The Super Deluxe Edition, while excellent, yes, still is not a complete picture as a singular unit of the 1999 era of Prince music. Nope. Unfortunately. Well, that's a good choice. If I thought of that, I would have given <laughs> that my C. Not that I didn't like it, but I found the interlude to be, you know, if there, if there was something that could be removed, like you said, mm-hmm. to make room for a track from the time or yeah. Vanity 6... Maybe the interlude would have been the thing, because I think that's the kind of thing that you're there in the venue for, and you're kind of taking a break. You can sit down for a minute, watch someone play a keyboard, but on a disc and listening to an audio version of it, it was kind of a a drag in the show. Okay. For me. All right. And then the Mountain uh, DMSR, just because it was written to be live, and this is its particular perfect home yeah is a live setting now not to say that this was the perfect performance of the song right but it's the perfect venue for the song it was a good performance especially the beginning because there are a lot of times i've heard the song live and then the little keyboard part of the beginning It is messed up a lot. Oh. Like the wrong key is hit or uh, it's not the right rhythm or something mm-hmm. is like wrong with it because it's very fast and you have to get it perfect for it to sound right at all. Right. So, um, yeah, I, I wondered, you know, of all, if they recorded this song at the Masonic Theater, you know, they recorded them all because we have another like a bootleg circulating recording that's a soundboard that's great. So they probably had dozens of concerts just to choose from to pick which one to include on this set. Mm-hmm. So why the 16th show? I've always yeah. wondered. I don't know. I've always wondered. I don't know. A Detroit show makes sense and a Houston show makes sense because they were big 
Prince supporters in those cities at the time, but I just wonder, did they listen to them all and then decide on these, or how were they selected? Why Mm -hmm. were they picked? I don't know. But I digress, and I'm delaying my mountain, and my mountain... (laughs) I think this was my my mountain from the 1999 album, too, is Automatic. Yeah. I think it's so fun. It's rock. It's funk. Prince had really found his sound both live and in the studio with the song Automatic, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, And even despite Prince's own missinging of the last part of verse (laughs) one, just seeing his human makes me feel good, too. Yeah. I love it. It's endearing. Aw. So. Yeah. I love the dichotomy of the two... Uh, versions of it, just that it was warmer and faster live, mm-hmm. and yeah, kind of cold and, and uh-huh. yeah, computer like, yep, machine like yes. on the album. I love mm-hmm. how different they are, but they still work both so well. So that's an excellent choice. They do. I can't wait to see the um, video. Yeah. Of the Houston show, which is up next time. Yes. We'll be watching. It's a DVD of a concert in Houston from December 29th, 1982 at the Summit, which I haven't have yet to put in our DVD or Blu-ray yeah, player hope it works. since we yeah, I'm sure it does. We'll, <laughs> we'll be fine. But yeah, we've had this set for now like four months and uh-huh. have yet to even watch it, so it'll be a first. Yeah. But my point is I wonder. When we watch the, this video, do they act out the video version of Automatic where <laughs> Prince's hands are tied wrongly around the bedpost where he can easily escape? We'll see. Yeah, we, w- we will see. I'm looking forward to seeing. Me too. Can't wait. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much for listening. We know you make a choice when you listen to us. We don't just come on the radio and we so appreciate it. Please rate, review, subscribe, join us on social media. And until next time, we wish you a happy purple listening. Thanks for listening.